Looking to stand out from the pack at your first job? When you earn a master's in management from Georgetown, you'll gain the skills employers value most, elevating your career prospects for years to come. Get started at choosegeorgetown.com slash MIM. Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the faculty chair of autonomous vehicle engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Uh, good morning, Fred. Good morning. Well, we're just about a month away from the second annual Princeton Smart Driving Car Summit. We'll talk more about that later, and there's plenty for us to get to today. First off, in your latest newsletter, you highlight a piece from ARS Technica with a headline, The Way We Regulate Self-Driving Cars is Broken. Here's How to Fix It. The point being that conventional vehicle safety regulations don't make a lot of sense for self-driving cars. And you have some great insight on that. Well, uh, that is true. Uh, they don't make much sense with self-driving cars. They make even less sense with driverless cars. And again, you know, I like to point out the fundamental difference between safe self, or what I call self, and, and driverless the self needs uh, needs um, adult supervision, which means that, in fact, uh, uh, in that adult supervision, uh, you have to be prepared to take over. Uh, but the key thing with both the safe and the self is that uh, th these are really automobiles that look much like our current automobiles. Plus, we use them much the same way and uh, and we own them. And, and we're supposed to be in them and safe. Um, oh, you know, we do the driving. We don't take our hands off the feet or uh, off the wheel or feet off the, off the pedals. Uh, but it just keeps us from uh, tailgating, from going too fast, from uh, um, running out, out of the lane and, and basically keeps us safe. Uh, with the self-driving, it, it lets us uh, relax in, in certain, but only in certain places at certain times, uh, under certain conditions, and 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 uh, and really for a very short part part of our trips. But but um, you know that portion of uh, the the uh, regulation associated with. With how and when we we all of a sudden come in and take over when the system doesn't work um, is sort of the key uh, regulatory and key testing part. Um, but when you get to driverless, where you don't even have a a driver's seat, let alone um, um, a steering wheel or brakes and pedals, and uh, it's while some of us or some one percenters might own one and 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 may maybe maybe claim to their neighbors, oh my goodness, look at what I have. Um, people just won't own them. They'll be they'll be owned by fleets or and and managed by fleets. Uh, uh, their their maintenance requirements and performance requirements are such that uh, you probably can't trust them to an individual. You 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 have to. You have to have a, a serious entity, a, a fleet manager, uh, you know, making sure that these things uh, are working properly. Plus, they'll be managed and they'll be used, and 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 their productivity will be will be enhanced uh, through uh, the management of of these uh, these vehicles. 
And except for the fact that they use the, the our current roadways, um, you know, they look probably more like an elevator than they look like uh, like a car um, in, in both their use and, and in some sense their operation. Sure, they can they can divert and they're not operating in shafts, uh, but but they're very different. And and I think they're so different that we should call them a new mode. We don't attempt to regulate elevators using um, the uh, regulatory mechanisms that we have with respect to cars. And in the same way, or conventional cars, in the same way, we shouldn't use the regulatory mechanisms and safety mechanisms that we have for oversight of of driverless vehicles we shouldn't be using the the systems that, that we and this and the organizations that we have uh, with respect to um, normal cars and conventional cars this is a very so, so you're thinking that there's a need for a, a new agency altogether well i think i think we would be i think it would be better off Instead, instead of putting asterisks or and 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 band aids and and so on and oh uh, because it's of this thing and whatever branch points in in the things that we do with conventional cars, we really should be starting out with a clean sheet of paper, and and doing it for these things because they are really very different. I mean, they're closer to a mass transit bus and, as I say, an elevator than they are to a 55 Chevy. And so, and so because of that, we should take the opportunity to basically start with a clean sheet of paper, learn from how we, we regulate and we legislate and we do things with, with other forms of transportation, not only those forms that use uh, the existing public roadways, but the but the airways and the waterways and the railways and the pipeways, and 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 learn from them. But but really, this this is a new kid on the block, and the new kid on the block. I think we should we should recognize it, that this kid is different, and it 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 provides a mobility and has opportunities that that the other modes just don't have and it has needs and requirements and, and operation and technology and uh, to um, uh, to really um, uh, deserve to have sort of its its own uh, uh, structure uh, that that you, you know again has learned from the others has taken the best practices of the others blah 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 and so on uh, and and have its own it shouldn't be burdening. Uh, the the regulation uh, of conventional cars. It shouldn't be burdening the regulation of conventional trucks. It shouldn't be burdening the regulation of railways or airways or whatever. It should have its own. I don't know. It's a thought to put out there, and I think uh, I think uh, we should seriously think about it. Really interesting. Now this comes, of course, on the heels of the tragedy last month in Tempe, Arizona where pedestrian Elaine Herzberg was killed by an Uber vehicle on autopilot. On Thursday, Uber CEO Dara Khosrowshahi was on NBC's Today Show. Let's listen to a clip of what happened there. 
What has your investigation determined about this? Was the driver, the, the, the test driver, at fault? Is Uber at fault? Well, um, what happened with Elaine Hertzberg was an absolute tragedy. Uh, and we're doing two things. First of all, we're working with the authorities at hand, the NTSB, the NTSA. They are the professionals in determining who's at fault. We don't want to get in their way, and we're getting them all the data necessary so that they can make the determination of exactly what happened and why. Secondly, I am undergoing a top-to-bottom audit of our safety practices, our safety drivers training, et cetera, and our software, so that I can be satisfied that when we put our fleet out there, and right now our fleet is grounded to be safe, yeah. it is an, as safe an environment as possible. Just very quickly, because I want to get to some of the announcements sure. you have today, but are, are you committed to self-driving cars as being a part of Uber, or is there a part of you that thinks, you know what, maybe this part of the business we can leave to somebody else? No, we're absolutely committed to self-driving cars. This is an important technology. Ultimately, self-driving cars will be safer than humans. It, but it, right now, self-driving cars are learning. They're student drivers. You need a safety driver with a student driver. When that student driver graduates, it will be safer than humans. Alan, your thoughts about what he had to say about this student driver analogy? Well, I don't know as I wrote, I mean, did he just insult, insult student drivers? But yes, I mean, we are certainly learning and, and, and we have an enormous amount to learn. And what's really important, I believe, for Uber is so that if we if this if we are student drivers, if this technology is a student driver, then that student should be educated and should have made available to him or her all the information uh, that that they need, which really means uh, uh, what really happened in that Uber should be totally transparent in terms of the information that's there and 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 they should they should be telling us look uh here these are the things that went wrong here's the data here's what happened and please everyone student driver learn from this so that you you don't make the mistake again even if you are Lyft or Waymo or Didi or who knows who else is, is working on this. You know, here, the community, this is what we've learned from this. Here's the data. Please, uh, let's make sure that, in fact, you know, we do treat this as a student driver and we educate not only this driver, but all drivers, all manufacturers, all people that are working out there, which means, please, uh, this information has to has to come out and 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 be put out there uh, for for public consumption, uh, not just for the onesie twosies privates, the the high priests, the who knows what's, uh, but it should just be put out there so that everybody can can learn from this uh, this tragic uh, uh, situation that happened. Now, no surprise, of course, that uh, he's saying they are still committed to self driving. Uh, a self-driving future, because I guess that's really the business model, the end game, right? Well, I, again, he's not using my terminology. They need to be con committed to the driverless future. Self-driving doesn't doesn't really do anything, not much for them. Sure, it allows their their gig workers, uh, the, the drivers, to have a have a little bit better work environment and and be a little bit more relaxed when they're driving some of the time. But what they really need to scale is they need driverless. Uh, you, 
you, right now they're managing what the, you know uh, five million uh, drivers or whatever the number is, and and they do a great job in doing that. But uh, but uh, you know for for them to be worth uh, their valuation, they have to grow at least ten x, and to grow ten x um, uh, by hiring uh, ten times more um, more uh, uh, gig workers. Um, man, that's, 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 that's real tough. Uh, but to do it, um, uh, grow 10 X with driverless, um, um, Waymo suggesting that that may be trivial. So, um, uh, so, uh, really, um, you know, if, if when he says driver, or when he says self-driving, he means driverless, uh, great. Um, um, if he needs self-driving, then I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what the language was there, but there was also an interesting article in in the Atlantic focused on Uber's upcoming newly redesigned app used by all those millions of drivers. Uh, this should be a pretty big accomplishment. I, I think I think that that article and and, and what they're doing is, is really wonderful. I mean that that is that is not an easy thing to do, and uh, as I as I've suggested, uh, you know. A substantial part of their uh, IP uh, asset is is their their knowledge and capability and app uh, that is able to uh, to uh, provide management services to that many um, independent individuals. That is a that's a non trivial thing to do well. And so you know, kudos to them. And in some sense, uh, they're you know. There are probably a number of other industries who uh, who uh, want to use part-time, independent um, uh, workers, uh, individuals to basically carry out um, their mission, and um, and uh, what they've put together on their platform is is uh, is impressive. So kudos to them on that one. They could be in the in the app business providing that uh, their technology, I, I guess, for use so. in other industries. I, I would think so, saying. and and uh, and the, the more people they they can do that with, the greater. And and maybe, hey, if they can grow that ten x in one industry, then they may not need driverless. Okay, uh, they may be able to you know provide mobility. If if you can do enough ride sharing and and spread the cost enough, then. Then uh, you know the the real value of the technology um, uh, diminishes the the more ride sharing you have, and and of course everybody is everybody uh, you know, uh, every city is is trying to push them to provide more mobility, uh, not by putting more cars in there, but by putting more people in the seats of those cars. In other words, through ride sharing. Uh, so that um, then what that does is basically spreads out the cost of the driver, and so um, and and also affords the driver a little to an opportunity to make a, a little bit more money or at a higher rate. So in, in a sense, um, um, you might not be able to do as well as 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 driverless, where you take the labor cost essentially to zero. You can you can substantially reduce it, but. But the problem is, is 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 to to grow 10x to to serve instead of less than one percent of, of of the trips serve you know ten percent of the trips. Heaven forbid, think about serving fifty or seventy or 
75% of the trips, uh, to, to, to be able to manage, uh, 10 times or, or more than 10 times the number of, of, of individuals, independent individuals that they manage now is a non-trivial task. Another important story that we have to delve into here is an apparent feud between Tesla and the NTSB. The NTSB says it has removed Tesla from its investigation into that fatal crash in California, while Tesla is saying it it withdrew on its own because it contends the NTSB wouldn't allow it to make information public. This is a really Uh, interesting story. It's the sort of the first time that I've realized that there was, there was this um, different thought or, or, or in some sense, different approach to this between that NTSB and an entity. I mean, who, who would have, who's ever heard of, of a, of a private corporation wanting to co- put out information about uh, a safety issue in advance and, and, and of a, of a regulatory agency. I mean, in the past, I get, I'm not to suggest that they hid behind those things, but to be that forthright, that, that transparent, uh, seems to be, um, you know, um, complete, <laughs> it took me by surprise. And, 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 and I think it's it, it, at the, at, if we take it for the precise wording that is out there, I have to commend Tesla for for saying, "My goodness, uh, um, uh, we're trying to be transparent, and the NTSB is is trying to, I don't know, grandstand or who knows what. Why would they want to hide it? Uh, okay, well, maybe it's misinformation that's coming out there because it 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 hasn't been vetted to uh, dot every I and cross every T. Maybe, uh, but." Uh, um, I don't know. I've had my own uh, uh, questions that I've raised about the NTSB, especially with respect to the to the Joshua Brown Tesla crash in Florida. I mean, um, I just don't think I th- I don't think they carried out as an exhaustive investigation of that as they should have or could have. Um, I didn't see any videos, uh, animations that they should have and could have created from the, uh, driver's eye view of both of those vehicles. I don't believe they even, you know, addressed, um, to what extent the, 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 the roof pillar, uh, played a role in, 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 uh, in not allowing the, uh, the, the, the truck driver to see the oncoming Tesla. Um, and, and just, you know, reach a conclusion that, uh, that Joshua Brown was, uh, was not paying attention, uh, uh, seems, uh, well, uh, uh, there are a lot of other things that could have happened for uh, that, that really, um, the NTSB, I don't believe investigated. Now, I'm not privy to everything that they did and what they decided not to print, but I tried to read the report very carefully. And, um, and I don't think they did a very uh, good job with that one, especially because there was no comment about the role of the automated emergency braking system. 
And and to me, as as I guess maybe some of the readers are, are getting tired of hearing from me, I keep pointing to the automated emergency braking system. Um, I think we have a real problem with those systems. Uh, at least the perception to me is that if I have an automated emergency braking system, that it, it's going to apply the brakes if I'm heading towards a brick wall. But apparently they don't. Uh, they only apply the brakes uh, to keep me from rear-ending a car in front of me. And so maybe they should be called automated emergency braking systems that only work uh, to keep me from uh, from rear-ending a moving car ahead of me. Uh, but apparently uh, they don't work if the fire truck is sitting uh, stationary in my lane ahead. They uh, they don't work if I'm headed towards the butt end of a New Jersey barrier. They don't uh, work if if a truck is broadside uh, and and the cab of the truck is broadside in my lane and and it doesn't turn on because it seems at least what I've read and maybe I didn't read it properly that in 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 none of those uh, uh, crashes were the brakes applied. Why not? And and they weren't applied in the Tempe Uber case. My goodness, there's an object in my lane ahead. It would seem that that uh, that that if there's any place that an automated emergency braking system should work is in that. And if it doesn't, then I don't know, maybe I'm the only person that's confused out there, but I think that, that that there may be other consumers out there that say, really? Uh, uh, maybe we shouldn't call it an automated emergency braking system. We should give it another name because talk about giving people a misimpression of, of how the, the, of what they can expect out of the technology. I mean, it's just as bad as, as Tesla calling their, uh, their self-driving system autopilot. Um, although if you look at autopilot in airplanes, there's always a, a pilot there and there's always a pilot ready to take over. And in a sense, you know, that's really the situation that exists in the Tesla. But uh, let's not get involved in too much, you know, appropriate logic here, but uh, that's okay. All of this comes as a press release from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety is saying that manufacturers are making progress on a voluntary commitment to include automatic emergency braking on all new vehicles. And I suppose unless they get it fixed, that's this, well, that it really works where it's needed. Yeah, well, uh, this yeah, and, and I, think, I think it's fabulous the people that, that the industry wants to do it. But they should give it a name that 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 provides the uh, a, a a cognitive uh, impression to an individual that says that they they kind of understand what this is. I'm, I'm surprised they didn't call it level eight or something like give it an SAE level as opposed to you know automated emergency brake. At least they gave it you know a, a, some some uh, some syntax in there that 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 allows some understanding. But but the problem is is that is that it oversells it because if you look at the fine print of what of that well, that article it says 
it is really good at at uh, uh, applying the brakes uh, to avoid rear end collisions. And it says nothing about brick walls. And my goodness, apparently these things don't work in brick walls or, or, you know, butt ends of, of New Jersey barriers. And so, and, and, and of course we, we can understand why, you know, this putting on the brakes, if there's a brick wall ahead is a tough, is a tough situation because you're really afraid of false alarms because there may be things that look like brick walls as you're driving down the road that really aren't. For example, an overpass or an overhead sign or an overhead branch. And, and, and so we can't have the brakes being applied when, when the car senses these things and, and, but it could easily pass underneath it. And so what these systems have to be to be able to do the brick walls, the, the Jersey barriers, the park fire trucks is they have to understand that these things are really on the surface of the roadway and are stationary and they're not an overpass. They're not a, a sign uh, that you can pass under. They're not a, a, a branch of a tree. And, um, and apparently, um, these systems aren't good enough to do that. Well, let, let, we're, we have to hope that the technology is going to get a lot smarter <laughs> and, and hopefully in a hurry. That's what the, that's what the public policy should be focused on. That's what the NTSB should have said. They shouldn't have, they should have said, my goodness, you know, it, it might have, and I don't know if that was the situation, but the automated emergency braking system should have worked. Whether or not Joshua Brown was paying attention. It should have worked, you know, when, when this, when that car was heading towards that, towards that, uh, um, butt end of a Jersey barrier for 200 feet. It should have worked when Elaine, uh, Elaine was, was walking across, uh, the, um, the lane in Tempe. And if it's, if those things aren't working, then either whatever is working, we should rename it to not be called an automated emergency break, rename it. I don't know. A lot of suggestion, but whatever. But anyway, there, there's, there's, there's again, confusion out here and misunderstanding. And, um, and uh, I don't know if uh, certainly the NTSB is helping. Another quick story. Uh, China's government is making it easier for self-driving tests to take place on any road in the country. Significant, but uh, I guess China still has some some yeah, catching well, up to do with what's going on here. Yeah, because that is self-driving. You know, they're requiring to have you know drivers in there overseeing it and so on. That's self-driving. It uh, doesn't seem like what they're putting out there is what California now has on the books and is effective. Uh, April was effective April one, which is uh, uh, go out going out there without anybody in there, uh, without a, a driver's seat let alone the steering wheel and, and, and brakes. So, yes, it's good. Uh, it's nice that they're doing it. It's nice that they're doing it everywhere. Um, yes, please help out. Um, um, hopefully we'll make the technology and sell it to them as opposed to them making it, selling it to us. But, you know, that's just because, you know, I'm sitting here in the U.S. of A. 
And finally, Alan's got a movie recommendation. There's a new documentary on Amazon about the DARPA Grand Challenge. It's called Autopilot. Near and dear Near to my and heart. To because, heart. As, uh, you know, I'd never had more fun in my life than, than participating in the both the 2005 and 2007 uh, DARPA challenges. Um, um, uh, we didn't win, but we certainly, uh, we had a great time and uh, we moved the ball forward a little bit. And uh, and I know that all the students uh, that participated w- w- uh, in that and really did it, uh, they learned an enormous amount. And if I look at uh, how they've evolved in the world and where they are, one's a professor at Harvard, uh, a number, a number of them have PhDs. One of them has been at Waymo for, for a while, for more than a while. Um, you know, they've done, they're, they're doing really well, um, in, in, in this area and other technologies. So, uh, I couldn't be prouder and it's kind of neat to look back. Um, if nothing else, um, uh, these kids got, got a great education and, uh, and will improve the world in, in this and in other ways. Again, that's called Autopilots. People can find it on Amazon. Before we go, we want to remind our listeners about the Smart Driving Car Summit at Princeton coming up fast, the 15th and 16th of next yeah, month. it is exciting, exciting. because uh, a number of, of very good people have agreed to come to Princeton and basically uh, share their views and, and really discuss. I mean, the, the it's not going to... They, these aren't going to be sermons. They're, they they are going to going to be discussions. Uh, everybody's going to come in there and and try to to basically uh, move the ball forward and and um, and do it the best way we can. Not only with respect to um, you know the implications of of uh, of our quality of life, the the the, uh, the shape of our cities. Uh, uh, but, but also in the, in the fundamental technologies, uh, that, that go to, go to make it happen and the mechanisms that, that can make it happen, including regulation, including insurance. Um, and so, and including, uh, uh, artificial intelligence, which in the end is, is going to play a, an important role. I, I look at the, the AI space and, and I, I think, you know, really, uh, uh, driverless cars are, are really the, uh, in some sense, the uh, both the simplest and the best application of automated uh, 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 of AI uh, of artificial intelligence, and, and the reason for that is is that um, is that these systems operate in in human made environments, and therefore those those systems are pretty simple because we made them. You know those streets, and we put the, the 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 poles and the lines and everything out there, so that makes it easy. It, it, it isn't all mother trying to deal with mother nature. She's tough, uh, but uh, this is this is human made environments, and I think uh, and it's a great application for it, and and so uh, I think that's good. Uh, you know, listen to Mark Zuckerberg on on C-SPAN this week, and. and you know, the thought that he's going to fix uh, Facebook with AI, he has a much, much more difficult problem fixing Facebook with AI than we have uh, uh, doing uh, driverless cars with AI. I mean, uh, he has a real, and I don't think he can, I don't think AI can do it, but that's just my opinion, whatever. 
Uh, but it's coming up and, um, and, uh, I guess this, uh, this, uh, on a- April 15th is, uh, the end of the early bird registration. So if anybody cares to save a couple bucks, uh, you should register now instead of later and, and hope you'll come to Princeton, uh, middle of May. Not a bad place to be. And, and basically we're, you know, this is going to be, um, uh, an academic environment and academic invest, uh, uh, look into the, this technology, uh, it's not a bunch of sales pitches, uh, um, but um, but there are people that have certain views, and and uh, and we're looking to have interaction with the with the people that show up, uh, and 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 it should be good. And there's more info. Folks can go to summit.smartdrivingcar.com. Another great chat, Alan. You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com, on iTunes, Google Play, and more, even on your Amazon Alexa. Look for my tech reports at textonation.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thanks, Fred. Thanks for listening.